Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Home Energy Design 101. How to design a beautiful home and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and life. Who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty, and my team and I do the best damn design in the country. But I'll help you create a beautiful design that is also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm really excited to share my guest with you today. Her name is Emily Fletcher. I had the honor of meeting Emily last summer during a really cool conference that I went to in San Diego. And unlike most of us, she is now an expert at meditation. But here's the thing. She used to be on Broadway and is also an actress and she looked really great on paper. Like if we were looking at what success should be defined as in our culture, she was it. But here's the problem. She was stressed out. She kept having panic attacks, anxiety, fear, and the list goes on and on. And she met a coworker one day who was completely chill. And she said, uh, why are you always able to do your lines and you're able to take on all the stress of this crazy business and you're totally chill? And her coworker said, I meditate. And Emily rolled her eyes and said, oh God, you're one of those people. And now fast forward to today, she just launched an amazing online program called Ziva Online. Her company is Ziva Meditation. If you've had the honor of doing one of these in person, you get all of these amazing benefits of manifestation, mindfulness, and meditation. So that's why her approach is different. She starts you out with what's called the Ziva Technique. She teaches you about mindfulness and what it is. Then you get into the meditation part and then that transpires into this beautiful, amazing journey called manifestation. I'm telling you, this program is unlike anything that I've ever seen before and I am so behind it and I love it so much. I've actually started referring many of my clients to it because I believe in it that much. It has everything and it really, really is simple and easy to do. It's only two weeks. And once you have this technique, once you have it down, you never need to learn it again. It's that simple. Now, I don't know as my listeners, if you pay attention, but we work really hard here at Gates Interior Design to really make sure that each month has a theme and a real purposeful, intentional goal. The month of April has been all about this idea of karma, meditation, giving back, and having kindness, compassion, and empathy towards those around us. And you can't do any of those things and be a good human 
if you yourself are not calm and chilled out. And that's why meditation is so important. It helps you get clear, defined direction as to why you're here, what you're set out to do, and what makes you happy. Who doesn't want more of that? Are you ready? Let's sit down and start talking with Emily. You are going to love her. This is Amanda Gates. I'm so excited to have Emily Fletcher on today with Ziva Meditation. Hello, Emily. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to have you. Um, I swear I say that about every guest, but it's like I just keep up leveling every every time I, I have a new guest on. And um, you and I were just talking about how important meditation is and how it fits into what I do as an advanced feng shui practitioner. But what I want to do is I want to back up. Um, you used to be on Broadway and you used to have this very... Uh, high profile kind of a uh, high stress life. So how do you go from that and this high profile thing to, you know, being completely Zen and being Emily Fletcher from Ziva Meditation? <laughs> well, I would not say I'm completely Zen. I think that life is a whole spectrum of emotions and frequencies. Uh, it's just now I have the ability to sort of choose where I want to be versus just constantly being in that involuntary fight or flight, uh, which is a real gift. Uh, so yes, so as you're correct, I was on Broadway for 10 years. It's what I wanted to do since I was a little girl. And the, the sort of story that I don't tell as often is that, you know, three weeks after I got my first Broadway show, three weeks after my Broadway debut was the saddest I've ever been because I felt like my goal had been taken away from me. And I was very much living in what I call the I'll be happy when syndrome, uh, which is the mistaken belief that we can somehow acquire our way to fulfillment or acquire our way to happiness. And for me, it was just once I get on Broadway, then I will be happy. Once I get on Broadway, then I will be happy. And once I got on Broadway, it was I still had rent to pay. And, you know, I still had bunion pain. And I still had, you know, like boyfriend problems. And so I was like, wait, why is this not my dream? So I thought my happiness must be in my next Broadway show, my next one, and my next boyfriend, and my next agent, and my next zero in my bank account. I did that for 10 years. And then finally, my last Broadway show was a chorus line. I was understudying three of the lead roles, which means you show up to the theater with no idea which character you're going to play. Sometimes they switch you from one to the other. I mean, it's just, you're basically in constant anxiety. So I started going gray at 26. I started having insomnia for 18 months. I started... Uh, getting sick about five or six times a year and getting injured. And so here I am living my dream, doing the thing I'd wanted to do since I was a child and I was miserable. And so thankfully the girl sitting next to me in the dressing room, who was understanding five of the lead roles and crushing it, uh, she, I was like, excuse me, what do you know that I don't know? And she said, I meditate. And I rolled my eyes and was like, like, oh God, one of you. And because this is 11 years ago, so there was not the neuroscience then that there is now. And so finally, I just got so embarrassed about my performance that I thought, well, I have to try something. So I went along with this intro to meditation talk. I liked what I heard. It made sense to me. So I signed up for this course. And on the first day of the first course, I was meditating. I had no idea what that meant, but I was in a different state of consciousness than I'd ever been in before. And I liked it. And then that night, I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months. And I have every night since. And that was 11 years ago. 
And then I stopped getting sick. I went eight and a half years without getting sick. I stopped going gray. I'm 38 years old now. I have like no two gray hairs, which I promptly plug out. I was legitimately going gray at 27. I um, stopped getting injured. And most importantly, I started enjoying my job again. And so I thought, why does everybody not do this? So I left Broadway. I went to India. And I started what became a three-year training process to, to become a teacher. And then when I graduated, I opened up Ziva. And so far, I've taught about 8,000 people to meditate. We started the world's first online meditation training. I've gotten to teach at Google, Harvard Business School, Viacom, hospitals. And it's, it's been the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And now I feel like I get to have this unique fusion of my performance background and meditation. And what we really specialize in at Ziva is meditation for better performance. Uh, we like to work with people who are out in the world doing things, changing things, people that want to use meditation to allow them to perform at the top of their game. I love that. And I think that um, I think that there's so much truth behind this idea of, and Eckhart Tolle really uh, honed in on this, as to this idea of, but the next moment, but the next moment but the next moment will be important. Not now, but the next moment. And I think a lot of us strive, which is what you were just talking about, this idea of, well, this is lovely, but it's not as good as what will the next thing be. And then when you get there, but that's nice, but it'll be better when. And so it, it's this constant, like you said, it turns into a decade before you realize it. So I'm curious, if meditation is so great for us, mm-hmm. You know, you said it yourself. Why is it more, you know, why aren't more people doing this? Why, why isn't everybody doing this? What have you found with that? So really good question. And I have three answers to that. I would say thing one is that everybody assumes that they should already know how to do it. Because meditation is simple, people assume that they should just be able to sit in a chair and magically clear their minds. And there's like one dude going around telling everybody to clear their minds. And we got to find this guy and we got to teach him how to meditate because he's ruining a lot of people's meditation. (laughs) Because then what happens is people sit down and they're like, okay, brain, shut up. I'm sure we'd like a snack. Snacks are delicious. Why am I thinking about snacks? I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about snacks. I suck at meditation and I quit. And that's the beginning and the end of a lot of people's meditation career. And then what I hear from people is, Emily, I want to meditate. I know it's good for me. I know there's so much neuroscience, but my brain is crazy. My thoughts are too busy. I can't sit still. I prefer moving meditation. Exercise is my meditation. Facebook is my meditation. And this is all crap. Uh, meditation is meditation. Cooking is called cooking. Exercise is called exercise. That's why they have their own words. Uh, but the thing is, no one is taking the time to actually, not no one, there are millions of people who are picking up a meditation habit, but largely, like the vast majority of the human population has not yet taken the time to learn how to meditate. And even though it's simple, it's it, it's powerful. And I mean, if you think about the most profound truths are often the simplest. Mm-hmm. The most profound health hacks are the simplest, like eat food that comes from the earth, sleep, exercise, be in the sun. It's not that deep, right? But we're not doing it. And so meditation is simple, so we assume that it's weak. So I'd say the first reason people aren't meditating is that they don't know how and they haven't taken the time to be trained. So when they do it, they feel like they're failing and none of us will do anything very long that we feel like we're failing at. So that's thing one. Thing two is that people start to believe the lie that I'm too busy to meditate. And this is the number one thing where they're just like, I I have kids, I have a job, I don't have time to meditate. But to that, my response is, okay, do you have time to feel like crap? 
Do you have time to make mistakes? Do you have time to suffer through the rest of your life? Do you have time to not be fully present? Because that's what stress is costing us, right? And, and so if you believe that stress makes you stupid, which it does, stress makes us stupid, sick, and slow, and doctors are calling it the black plague of our century, and recent um, science out of Harvard Medical School is suggesting that stress is responsible for somewhere between 70 to 90% of all doctor's visits, right? So if you believe that stress makes you stupid, and if you agree that meditation is the most powerful stress-relieving tool we have, then this argument of I'm too busy to meditate does not hold water. But again, if you don't know how to meditate and all you're doing is sitting in a chair feeling like a failure, then of course that's a waste of time. Nobody has time to do that because there is no return on investment. But once you know what you're doing, then the return on investment is exponential. Like for the 3% of your day that you invest in meditation, the other 97% of your life becomes more productive and your performance levels increase. So first reason people aren't meditating is they think they should already know how. The second reason is that people convince themselves that they're too busy. And then the third one, which I kind of already touched on, but it bears repeating by itself, is that people think that the point of meditation is to clear their minds. They really think that like they should just go be like, but like the only time the brain flatlines is when we die. And that is not the point of meditation. So if you think that the point is to clear your mind, then again, you're going to feel like a failure and then you're not going to do it for very long. So why do you think that uh, we are not taught this? I, I agree. I think we overcomplicate everything. It's like the, the threat of our culture. So why are we not taught this? Why is it, you know, it is in India, it's in Tibet, it's in a lot of places, but it's not here in America where I think we need it the most because we are so freaking high strung. Um, so why are we, we not taught this? Why do we have to seek this out or, or figure this out on our own? I mean, why do you think, I definitely think it's getting more mainstream now, but I think a lot of people, if they haven't done it, they do pretty much what you did. Like, oh God, you're one of those people. So why is there such a stigma behind it? Well, I think there's been a lot of, I think, okay, so I believe that almost every indigenous culture has had some form of meditative practice or some way of changing consciousness, some ways to de-excite their nervous system from the Incans, the Mayans, Native Americans, indigenous cultures in Australia, um, and certainly in India. But the reason why specifically the Indian traditions have stuck around, and, and P.S., that would include the Tibetan and even the Asian traditions, because a lot of those migrated from India over into the Far East. But the reason why so many of them originate in India, and, and why as a result of that, I think so many people specifically um, who have specific religious beliefs in America feel like it's foreign or scary or from the devil or in conflict with their religion is because it comes from a different culture, which can be a little foreign and scary. But this is actually just a geographic reality. So India, if you look at the actual subcontinent, uh, we've got two, two mountain ranges on the north, um, some of the biggest mountain ranges in the world. And then on the bottom, you have two oceans. And so it was very insular for thousands and thousands of years, like 6,000 years, like no one could get in into or out of India. And so the, the traditions that were cultivated there and curated there were protected and they were passed down from teacher to student. And, and there was a very specific system of passing things down orally from teacher to student. And then once India, so once uh, technology started increasing and we had ships and we had the, the ability to traverse these mountains, once India started being invaded and then certainly occupied by you know Britain and Pakistan 
in other countries, then what they did with this knowledge, with a lot of this esoteric knowledge, is that they would send it into the monks into who were the reclusive, and they would send them into the mountains because this stuff lived only in people's minds. It didn't live um, in written books or texts. So it didn't. It had the ability to be passed down from generation to generation. So it's almost like India protected this thread to the ancient. But if we had protected these indigenous lineages, they would probably be in all of the continents, and we'd probably be practicing something similar, but our own flavor of it that it originated in this continent. But what we have a tendency to do as a species is go in and kill the indigenous cultures and then build our own. <laughs> so it's just that India was protected from that for a while. Um, but if I really believe that um, there's only one thing and we're all it. Like this is the most fundamental concept of the Vedas. And P.S., something that's important to highlight is that the Vedas are an ancient body of knowledge. It stems from northern India. And it's not a religion. It's not a doctrine. It's not a dogma. It's not a set of rules. It's not anybody telling you how to live your life. It's simply a human interpretation of natural law. And a lot of these ancient systems of healing, yoga, Ayurvedic medicine, um, acupuncture, like they're all born out of the Vedas. And the most fundamental concept of it is that there's only one thing and we are all it. And that one thing is consciousness. And so I think that sometimes we get, you know, very tribal and we get very nationalistic and we think, well, my God is the right God and my country is the best country. But at the end of the day, we're all talking about the same thing. My, my analogy that I like to use for God, and I know that the G word scares people, but my definition of God is the collective consciousness of all that is. And the analogy that I like to use to describe it is that God is a disco ball. And we're all looking at the same thing, but you might see green light and I might see red and someone else might see purple, but at the end of the day, we're all looking at the same thing. And and there's a beautiful quote that I think is very relevant here, which is, if you're arguing about what the face of God looks like, chances are you haven't seen it. It sounds are- very similar to feng shui. I mean, yeah. it started... I- it started um, in India and moved to Tibet, but it's not a dogma. It's not a religion. A lot of people feared and think that it is. Um, But same thing, they put it in the mines, they sent it up to the the monks in in Tibet, and um, it was never written down. It was all orally passed down. Um, And it was something that was highly sacred. And um, it's probably why, you know, I mean, they are so uh, close together, because it it stemmed from the same place. You mentioned... um, the Vedic teachings. So tell us a little bit about what Vedic meditation is and what that means. Okay, so a couple of things. One, um, there's the, one of the Vedas uh, is the Atharta Veda, and that is the Veda that looks at uh, the architecture of space. And that includes the architecture of our bodies, the architecture of homes, basically like how are we shaping space and how does that impact our physical and emotional health. You know, which way does the door of my home face? Does it, is the sun's rising or setting based on what window? And so um, you're absolutely right. These do stem from the same place, which is amazing. So what I teach at Ziva um, is, is called, um, we actually teach the Ziva technique, right? Which is a beautiful trifecta of mindfulness meditation and manifesting and so it's like the three m's which is what we teach and the the meditation portion of ziva is born out of something that um, is called nishkam karma yoga 
Nishkam Karma Yoga, which is really just a fancy way of saying union attained by action hardly taken, or what I like to call the lazy man's meditation. So union attained by action hardly taken. Yoga means union, karma means action, and Nishkam means hardly taken. And so this is very different than what most people are calling meditation, because as meditation is becoming so popular, most of the apps, most of the YouTube videos, most of the drop-in studios out there are actually teaching some form of mindfulness. And this is an important distinction. Mindfulness and meditation are not actually the same thing, and yet everyone is, not everyone, but a lot of people are using those terms as synonyms. And I think this is where meditation gets confusing for people, is that they think, well, somebody told me to clear my mind, but somebody else told me to let go, and someone else told me it was okay to kind of get sleepy, and then someone else told me to focus. And so it's it gets confusing because we're talking about two very different roads that lead to the same place. Right? Like all roads lead to Rome, but they are different paths to get there. So mindfulness, which is sort of like the appetizer of the Ziva technique, is a directed focused style of meditation. It's uh, more of a left brain waking state. It's any guided visualization. Anytime you are counting your breaths or visualizing your chakras or doing any sort of a guided visualization, I would put that in the category of mindfulness. And mindfulness is very good at dealing with your stress in the right now. Like my boss yelled at me, I listened to Headspace for 10 minutes, I feel better in the right now. Awesome. Kind of like I have a headache, I take an aspirin, I feel better in the right now. Good at changing your state, dealing with the now. Now meditation, and specifically what I teach at Ziva, you're giving your body rest that is about five times deeper than sleep. And that's not an insignificant because when we give our body the rest that it needs, it knows how to heal itself. And one of the things that it heals itself from is stress. And so the meditation that we teach at Ziva is basically going in and dealing with your stress, not only in the right now, but all of your stress from the past. It's actually going in and healing things on a cellular level. It's healing things on a pre-verbal level so that all that stress that we have stored in our cellular and now we know genetic memories start to come up and out. And it is that eradication of stress from our nervous systems. That's the very thing that up-levels our performance capabilities. It's like we've all bogged down our brain computers with all these old irrelevant windows. So every single time you've ever been stressed, it's left a little open window on your brain machine. And what meditation doing is doing, it's going in and closing down those windows so you have more computing power for the task at hand. So that's the meditation portion of the Ziva technique. And then the third is like the dessert, and that's manifesting. And I know your audience is probably great with this, but I get some pushback with my like CEO clients and my NBA clients where they're just like, oh, God, Emily, you want me to like get high and secret my dreams? Um, and the answer is no. Like We still have to take action. We still have to work. But to me, manifesting simply means consciously creating a life you love. It's getting clear on exactly what it is that you want. And I imagine you do this work with people's homes. They have to be able to see what they want it to look like. And I'm always amazed at how rarely people take the time to ask the question, what do I, what's my dream? What do I want? What, how much money do I want to make? What does my dream relationship look like? What would be my favorite vacation? How do I want my relationship with my body? What do I want my relationship with my home to feel like? And instead, we're just sort of walking around with this like ambiguous complaining and we think that it's manifesting or we think, or worse, we think it's prayer when we're just like complaining. We're like, I just need more money and I need a boyfriend. I need to lose weight. And it's like, well, that's not manifesting. That's complaining. <laughs> And so what we do instead is we, we get rid of that, that like complaining, that worrying, and we use that imaginative energy to start to create the life that we love. So that is what we teach. So mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. 
I'm glad that you uh, described the difference between mindfulness and meditation. I do think that they they do get um, kind of interweaved. Um, it's it's probably just in the fog of confusion of what the hell meditation even is, because you know I I think that every, there's still some people that are coming on board with it. I'm curious. Um, can you give us an example? I mean, I, I think that um, one of the brilliant things around the way that you have um, set up Ziva is you have made it into, I feel like something that is very tangible that our culture can really grab onto. Like, okay, this makes sense. This I I can understand where she's coming from. So. And I think we all, I talk about this a lot on the show about this idea. I, I agree with you about where we sit with emotion and I call it above and below the cross. So above the, the cross is joy, happiness, enlightenment, um, you know, all the goods in life and below the cross is where like 75% of the culture lives. It's like hate, anger, pissed off, rage, frustration, disappointment, um, and I like that you've created this pyramid that, you know, gives you tangibles of, you know, and then at the end of the, the tunnel, there's this idea of also manifestation. But I do think that people fail to stop long enough to even sit down and go, well, what is it that I want? Because what typically comes up is, well, shit, I don't know. Like they can't even answer that question because they've never really sat long enough to think about it. So can you give us an example of what a Ziva meditation would look like? Like just a quick little example so that people can get kind of an idea of, of what your type of meditation is. Sure. So you're absolutely right. It is hard for people to answer that question. They don't know what they want because most of us are so stressed. Our nervous systems are so riddled with the lifetime of stress that we've been accumulating. So it's very hard to even get into that headspace of creativity or imagination. And so that's why you'll notice that manifesting is the dessert of the technique. It is the last thing that we teach because you have some work to do before you can actually manifest. And so step one is the mindfulness. And so what we do, we will usually teach some breathing techniques. And then there's something that I do called come to your senses, which is a very simple but powerful tool. We use all five of our senses to bring ourselves into the body and into the right now. And also I use that as almost like a runway into the deep healing rest and surrender that is meditation. So because I like to work with high performers and high achievers, you know, they tend to go, 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 go mentally and physically. And it's hard for them to go from here to the like deep healing rest that is meditation. You know, it's like stopping the momentum of their day is the most challenging part. So that's why we use the man, the man, the mindfulness as like a bit of a runway, as a way to slow things down and, and get them into the right here, right now. And the other beautiful thing about come to your senses is that it, it pulls the lens of your awareness out. So you start to include everything that's happening on around you inside of the experience. Because a lot of people think that they should be deaf when they meditate and that they should not be able to hear that siren or they shouldn't be able to hear their kids screaming in the next room. But that is not true. Meditation does not make you deaf. Your eardrums work just fine when you're meditating. And so we have to let go of this idea that I should be in a chamber of nothingness in order to meditate. Because this is not the monk program. This is the householder program. So once we get people like in their bodies in the now, then we move into the meditation portion. And there's two different ways that people can learn the Ziva technique. Um, one is to come to my studio in New York or LA and they learn Ziva live. 
And in that, there's a really beautiful ceremony that happens. People are given their own mantra, and it's about two hours a day for four days. And the idea here is that I train people to be self-sufficient, meaning that once they graduate, they don't need me anymore. They have an everyday, twice-a-day practice that they can do on their own. And we really highlight self-sufficiency at Ziva. So for people who can't make it to New York or LA, then um, I have an online training, which we just launched, which I'm crazy proud of. We spent about 15 months, my team and I, building it, and it's it's really good. We're on day 13 of 15 right now. We have almost 2,000 people in it from all around the world, and and it's it's a, it's available now. Like we have a class of people doing it now, but n- now that it's launched, you, people can basically customize their own start date. So this thing is called Ziva Online, and you can basically go in and choose your own start date, and then it's about 20 minutes of video training a day for 15 days. And again, you graduate with the Ziva technique to take with you for life. So the first three days are mindfulness, the next eight days are meditation, and the last three days are manifesting. So so regardless of if you learn Ziva online or Ziva live, um, you're given a mantra. The mantras that we do online are a little bit gentler than what we do in person, and that's by design, because I don't know if people are gonna finish. I'm not there to help them through any emotional or physical detox that may happen. And so we made the online program digestible regardless of if you're dealing with anxiety or depression or trauma or PTSD or something. So, um, but it still moves the needle. It's still helping people with their anxiety, with their depression, with their insomnia, with their ability to manifest. So anyway, then the last three days we do the manifesting. And then basically all I'm doing there is giving people the tools to visualize their dream. And we just do one at a time, but visualizing the dream as if it's happening now. And, and this is really the only trick to manifesting. Uh, well, I mean, that's not totally true, but it is a very important component because a lot of times when we have a dream, we accidentally worship the absence of it. Like, when am I going to get a boyfriend? Why don't I have a boyfriend? Why do my friends have boyfriends and I don't have a boyfriend? And then we're inadvertently watering the weeds. What we <laughs> is water the flowers, right? And so the manifesting exercises that we do, it just gives people this time to luxuriate and imagine the dream as if it is their current reality. So then they're actually giving themselves the gift of the experience of the thing, which is always what we want. We never want the thing. We want the experience that we assume the thing will bring us. And so what this manifesting does is that it gives you that tool, that ability to experience that joy, that contentedness, that generosity in the right now, which is paradoxically the very thing that allows nature to deliver the thing to you. Ah, I love that. Like, I'm totally getting into your like paradigm and your excitement and I can feel it. It feels so yummy. I'm curious, you know, we've, I've definitely heard about this idea of, of using a mantra during meditation. Why do you feel like that um, makes the difference. I feel like it makes a huge difference of being able to focus on something. And, and, but since, you know, you've been doing this and you're an expert in it, tell me your opinion around, uh, mantras and and utilizing them in meditation. Okay. So step one is we got to define the word mantra (laughs) because that word mantra has been a little hijacked by the wellness industry. And a lot of people are using the term affirmation 
but or they're saying the word mantra when they actually mean affirmation so or like slogan so a lot of people are like my mantra is like i'm a strong angry woman or like i want a million dollars or i deserve abundance which are all beautiful affirmations but those are affirmations right those are sayings those are slogans those are nice reminders that we could put on our mirror or put on a tattoo or put on our screensaver on our phone and and that's all great but they're different than mantras so the mantras that we use um, at Ziva in the Ziva Live course, they are meaningless primordial sounds. And it actually is the sound quality of the mantra that helps to de-excite the nervous system. It is the sound quality of the mantra that induces that deep healing rest. And that's the thing that allows the body to heal itself from that lifetime of old stress. So it's, it's almost, you can think about it like a little seed that's bearing itself into your right brain. And so interestingly, the mantras that we use, they're not designed to be focused on. That would be called japa meditation, where you're focusing on a mantra. Um, whereas this is nishkam karma yoga, which means union attained by action hardly taken. So these mantras are, this sounds crazy, but they're actually forgetting devices. They're designed to be forgotten. And so in mindfulness, where you're focusing, right, you have a point of focus, come back to the breath, come back to the breath come back to the visualization, come back to the body scan, a small part of the brain lights up, but very, very bright. Versus in meditation, the whole brain lights up, but not as bright. So the brain scans are sort of indicative of how the techniques are different. So <clears throat> we're just using these mantras basically as a tool to de-excite, to increase brain cohesion, to increase neuroplasticity, and to induce that deep healing rest. So are they like like what I use in feng shui is we have Sanskrit mantras that we use that we chant. Is it similar to that or is it something entirely different? Yeah, so there's no chanting. Um, chanting is a beautiful practice. I think it's very cleansing, very healing. Um, but even chanting requires effort. It requires repetition. It requires focus. And this is literally all about letting go. And, and what I like to say to my students is that when they go into the Ziva program, it's like just take everything you've ever heard about meditation and throw it out the window. <laughs> and just like lazy sleepy sloppy time because it's so um, it's so simple and yet so profound. And yet we still want to overcomplicate it. Uh, and then that's why I, that's why, why I have a job. Because then I have <laughs> 10 hours sit there and tell people, like, thoughts are not the enemy. You don't have to clear your mind. It's okay if you're forgetting your mantra. And that's basically what my course is. <laughs> 10 yeah. hours of Over me saying the same thing again and again. Overcoming, <laughs> you know, what's been pounded in our head. I'm curious what the, the tipping point for you was, you know, we talked earlier about how you're on Broadway and you had this high stress job and then you go to India. What was the tipping point for you where you said, holy shit, this is amazing. I'm doing this. Like I'm, I'm going to leave that behind and I'm going to go down this path. Well, there's two stories there. Uh, one is the story that got me to India and two is the story that had me, um, you know, really invest full time in Ziva and walk away from, from my acting career. Um, so the first one I think is more beautiful. So I just learned to meditate and I was in New York PS when I first learned to meditate. I was still on Broadway and then I was, I was on Chorus Line Broadway and then I started the Chorus Line tour and my second city on tour was LA and I knew there was a lot of meditation teachers in LA and I just wanted to like meet more people in the community and dive deeper. So I was looking up like group meditations in LA and I found this guy and he's like, yeah, Wednesday, 6 PM, come over. We're doing a group meditation. I get there. It's just him and his girlfriend. And I was like, well, this is not the group meditation that I was looking for. And so I have like my purse on my lap. I'm meditating with one eye open. And um, and then finally I was like, okay, they're not ex-murderers. I'm okay. And so we meditate. And then afterwards I open my eyes and I see this beautiful photo 
on the ground and and I think it's a photo or a painting, I can't really tell, but it's like a bridge and there's a light at the end of this bridge and it's just stunning and I can't stop looking at it. And I said, what is that? And he goes, that's Rishikesh. And I was like, what's a Rishikesh? And he goes, that's this town in India in the Himalayas. We do this retreat there once a year. Are you coming? And I was like, no. When is it? <laughs> in February. And I looked at it and I looked at him and I said, yeah, I'm going to go. And so cut to six months later, I'm in India and we're going to meditate at sunrise on the banks of the Ganges. And we had to cross this bridge to get to the banks of the Ganges. And I stop and I look up and it's the exact bridge and the sun is rising on the other side of it. So it's like the same exact snapshot that I saw there. And I started bawling, crying. And I knew that the me in that moment came to the me in LA and was like, you need to come to LA. Like, this is what you're meant to be doing. And every single time I tell that story, I get goosebumps <laughs> because it was a first time I'd really experienced time sort of folding in on itself and like that real divine guidance you know you hear about that all the time and we hear like the whispers of our intuition but this was like non-negotiable <laughs> so that was the thing that got me to India and then when I was in India I was like oh yeah I'm definitely going to teach this but I thought it would be like later I'd be like oh when I'm done dancing when I'm done acting when I'm done being on Broadway like maybe in my 50s or something then I'll be a meditation teacher and uh and so Long story short, I, I started my teacher training and I thought that meditation would be like a cute side gig, that it would be like, oh, well, like if I'm not in a show, I'll teach some meditation classes or something. And then when I opened Ziva, it all went like so fast. <laughs> and my agents would be like, hey, can we get maybe a headshot or a resume? I'd be like, sure. And then it would take me three months to bring them headshots and resumes. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was teaching like thousands of people to meditate and starting online courses. And finally, I was like, there was this one week where I was in final callbacks to play Velma in Chicago on Broadway. I was starting the world's first online meditation training and I had opened up an acting school and I was training six acting teachers there all in the same week. And I was like, nobody wins here. Like I'm a crazy person and like I'm not doing any of it as well as I could be. And so that was the week that I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not, my heart is not in acting anymore. Like my heart is clearly in teaching. And so I, I stopped acting and uh, and really went like full full steam ahead with Ziva, and it's been the best thing I've ever done. I love it, and I mean, if somebody had come to you ten years ago and said, "Oh no, you're going to be a meditation teacher," what would your thought have been? <laughs> well, this is a hard question for me to answer because I think part of me would have laughed at them and been like, "No way, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm a lifer as an actress." But to be very honest, like when I think back to my very first memories, like when I was like four or five years old, you know, you sort of imagine what your career will be or what you'll be when you grow up. And I knew I'd be an actress. Like there was no question about that to me, but I knew my career wouldn't stay there. And like, even as like a child, like four or five years old, I have these visions of me like walking onto a stage and standing at a podium in like a, a room filled with like thousands of women. And like, and I knew I'd be like speaking or teaching or helping women in some capacity. And while Ziva is not female specific, you know, we do teach a lot of women and maybe my career will go there. I don't know. But, um, but my, if I really think back to my original memories, I knew that this was coming. I just didn't know what shape it would take. <laughs> or maybe you thought, oh, well, that'll be when I'm 50. <laughs> you, know, you know, like 12 whole years from now. <laughs> so I'm curious, um, you know, now that you're doing this, you know, I can definitely, I can feel your energy and I'm really picking up on your enthusiasm about what you're doing. Do you think that you had as much joy 
um, and self-fulfillment in acting that you do now with meditation and being a teacher? That is a great question. I mean, there's nothing that compares to the feeling of being on stage with a group of your friends sharing this thing that you've created and this like collective collaboration of artistry that you work on and you're using your full instrument and you're singing and you're dancing and you're acting and you're telling a story and making people laugh and cry. Like it's really magical. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful sensation. And I feel so grateful to have spent so much of my life doing it. And then I used to joke that musical theater was my religion. You know, that that was the thing that kept me in check. Otherwise I probably would have ended up in jail. Like I was a, like, real partier, like through my teens and my 20s. And when I was in college, like go, knowing that I had to wake up at eight in the morning and sing an Italian aria was the only thing that kept me from smoking pot all night or like bl being blacked out drunk. And I was like, oh, well, I have to dance for five hours tomorrow, so I better not be hungover. And so it was like this thing that gave me this discipline and this um, ability to see my body as an instrument. And I think had I not had that at an early age, because I wasn't ready to adopt any sort of like philosophies yet. Um, I think it, I would have had a very different life if I wasn't acting. So I'm very grateful for the time that I had. But now I feel it's not the same sensation, but it is, it's similar in like when I'm actually teaching, like in front of a group of people and sharing these techniques and like really in flow state, like my whole body starts to, um, it almost like rocks, which um, what's her name? Sharon Salzberg says is a form of um, rapture, like when the body starts to rock involuntarily back and forth, she calls that rapture. And that happens to me when I'm teaching. Like, I don't even know that I'm doing it, but I just start rocking back and forth. And so I can tell when I'm really in flow state. And, and that is, it's different because there, it's my words now. I'm not singing someone else's words or saying someone else's words or doing someone else's choreography, which is beautiful to be a vessel in, for someone else's art. But now I feel like strangely, it's it's a more direct path to the creative infinite, that nature's actually using me more directly as a vessel. And selfishly, the thing that's most rewarding is that I get to wake up to emails from my students saying, you know, Emily, my insomnia is gone. My skin is better. My IBS went away. I started writing that book. I broke up with that ding dong head. I got a raise at work. I got a $120,000 scholarship that I didn't apply for. You know, I get emails like this every day. And so it feels like I'm very, um, it feels like the path to helping people is, is more direct and that feels gratifying. Yeah. It feels like you're, you're very much aligned now. Uh, we, we talk about like, it, it, there's a point in your life where you're going, you're, it's like you're trudging water and you're walking upstream. And then it's like, you realize like, maybe I should turn around and, and kind of go with the, with the flow here. And it's like, when you hit that, like you said, it's like, that's when everything just kind of falls into place and it takes off. And it, and it's almost like divine intervention where it's like, uh, as soon as you turn around, we're going to lay it out for you. And that sounds like kind of what happened with Ziva. Um, I, I tend to take time doing things and I, I like the process more than the destination, but I'm want to ask you this question just to, to put it out there because I know the audience may be thinking this is if they start something, um, and, and sign up with Ziva and they do this, how long does it usually take for them to start, you know, not having the insomnia or get inspired to finish the book? Or how long do, does it usually take for people to start seeing some results? 
Good question. So, you know, it's different for everyone. It depends on how much stress they have in their body, how committed they are to the practice, and how much demand they're under while they're practicing. But it's pretty fast. Like, things start moving sometimes on the first day, second day. Now, with Ziva Online, like the first three days, people are learning mindfulness, which is a little bit gentler. Um, day four is when we start the meditation. And so, day like, five, six, seven, what happens for a lot of people is very much like an emotional and physical detox. So sometimes people get very tired, very angry, very irritable. They start going to the bathroom a lot. Their skin gets itchy. They cry. I mean, it's, it's not pretty for a minute. And, <laughs> and really, that's my job is to help people through that and to let people know that that's part of the process. You know, you want a clean house. Well, guess what? It's going to have to get a little messier first. You clean out your closets. It's not just like, poof, it's clean. You got to bring everything out and you got to get it messy for a minute. And that's what happens in the first few days and sometimes weeks is that we're just kicking up the dust. Um, but even that is, is sort of validating for people because it's like the Listerine effect. You're like, well, I know it's working because it's burning. <laughs> <laughs> people are like willing to stay in the saddle for a minute. Um, but so right now we're on day 13 of the 15-day training and, and I have like a 2,000-person sample size. And every day people are posting and our, we have like an online forum where we stay in touch and people ask questions and people are like, my, my, I used to have terrible nightmares my whole life and they've gone away. I was able to sleep through the night for the first time in 15 years. I, you know, I was so much nicer to my kids yesterday and, and we're on day 13. And so, and that's been happening for a couple of days. So it's, I can't really predict exactly like what someone's, mm, it's like peeling away the layers of an onion. Some people feel great and then they, they hit like college or something. Or some people feel really gross in the beginning and then they just break through to the other side and they stay there. Um, but it's, but the, the shifts happen pretty quickly, like within days. I love that. I love the idea of what you were talking about earlier with all the windows open. I think a lot of people can resonate to this idea of having, you know, 50,000 windows open in their mind and like literally little deposits of something that even maybe is sitting there from 10 years ago and just being able to sweep that out and just kind of clear the canvas, so to speak, so that you can start anew and, and like, okay, I have all these amazing tools here that are of benefit to me, but they don't need to be all right here right now. Like they don't have to all be open. Yeah. So to elaborate on that analogy, because I think it's a good one, is that, oh, and this goes back to like why people in America aren't meditating too and why they feel like it's scary is that a lot of people think that meditation is in conflict with their religion, but it's not a religion. It's not a doctrine. It's not a dogma. It's actually a hardware upgrade. So what we're doing is we're going in and defragging your brain computer so that you can run whatever software you already have. So if you're a Christian, I think this thing will make you a better Christian. If you're Jewish, I think it allows you to act in accordance with the principles of Judaism more effectively. If you're atheist, we're probably going to talk in like three months because you're going to start to feel like a lot of serendipity and a lot of synchronicity. Uh, but what people call that, I don't care. But though I like to think about that as like a hardware upgrade for your brain so that you can run whatever software you already have. I love that. I think that's such a great analogy. And I think a lot of people will resonate with that because I think it's understandable. Um, and I think that what is so great about that is just the idea of, of if we look at our mind as that, you know, the spare bedroom closet, like, it's just a great way to get in there and clear the clutter and, and kind of clean it up and get it organized so that you can go, because <sighs> that's how you feel. 
when you get your space right. And if you look at your body and your mind in that same way, and just your energetic system, like a lot of people, you know, this is a little bit further out there. But when we do look at the principles of the emotional body and, and you know, the, the Wi-Fi of our system that's out there, the more bogged down you are, the more bogged down that your energetic system is, and then that turns into illness. And so it's that stress that is being picked up on your energetic system. And by the time it hits your body, it's already been there. It's been there for a long time. You've just been ignoring it. So I think mm-hmm. meditation is a really great way to do a massive house cleaning on your entire system. Uh, and so that you can approach life with not only clarity, but just appreciation, gratitude. You start to see things that you hadn't noticed before. You start to approach things much differently. Um, you start to slow down. Um, I, I think that there's just so many beautiful things that really happen around meditation and what it can do. If people are interested and totally psyched out about this and, and want to learn more about you and want to sign up, how can they find you? Yeah, so it's super easy. It's just Ziva, Z-I-V-A, zivameditation.com slash online. That's going to take people right to that 15-day training that I was talking about. But zivameditation.com is our home base. So there's lots of videos and podcasts and articles. But if people know they want to dive into that training, it's just... Oh, I thought I was going to sneeze. <laughs> it's adorable, tiny, non-sneeze. Um, so if people know they want to dive into that training, it's just zivameditation.com slash online. Perfect. Emily, I want to thank you so much for saying yes to this. I have been so excited to talk with you and so excited to have this conversation because I think it's one that needs to be heard. And I want to get people excited about this idea of clearing the clutter of their mind um, and giving them a new way to approach it. And I think that what's so great about Ziva is that it is so tangible, so approachable, so freaking easy. It's like, why not? Why not just say yes and try it? Yeah, I like it. I like the way you think. And thank you for having me. It's really a joy to have this conversation. I encourage all of you to get off your butts and head on over to Ziva Meditation. There you'll find a link to Ziva online and you can sign up and start this easy two-week program. We're going to put a link in the show notes on the website. If you go on there, you can just put into the search bar podcast number 29, Emily Fletcher, and she'll pop up and we'll have all the show notes below that. I always forget to talk about the show notes, but they are on the website. So if you listen to any of these episodes and want more information or are curious about the things that I talk about with the guest, you can always refer back to the website. And you can find that at gatesinteriordesign.com. And hey, I also want to mention uh, last weekend, last Sunday on Earth Day, I did a bonus podcast, especially for Earth Day. So if you have not checked that out, be sure to head on over uh, to iTunes or on Stitcher and listen to me and B Johnson talk about this wonderful, lovely, amazing place that we all live called Earth. So be sure to check that out. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining me on the show today. If you have questions or comments, reach out to us at Let's Chat 
atthegatescompany.com. If you like the show, subscribe. If you hate the show, definitely subscribe. That means that you need this information more than all the rest of us. Um, You can also uh, head on over to the website, which I mentioned earlier, gatesinteriordesign.com to learn more. I should also mention as well, my team keeps telling me to remind you that we also have a fantastic YouTube channel. You can go into the search bar and type in Amanda Gates or Gates Interior Design and we will pop up. All right, that's it for now. And hey, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.